we begin our journey uh, with the Beatitudes uh, in this sermon series, we start um, when the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. Let us listen to God's word for us this day. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those verses we just read were from the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture. Um, I read them again to you uh, from the message. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Beatitudes, a moral compass in turbulent times. So to be completely honest here, I have to admit that I have never actually used a compass before. I've held one in my hands a time or two, but I have never set out on a hike in the wilderness or anywhere else for that matter with a compass as my guide. So as I thought about using the compass as a central image in our journey with the Beatitudes, I decided I needed to understand a bit more exactly how these things actually worked. A quick search landed me on Gore-Tex's website, taking in their how-to article on this piece of technology that does not require a power cord and has been around for almost a thousand years. That article began with this introduction. Learning how to use a compass can seem needless in our age of technology. After all, we have GPS devices that can do the same work with less effort. Nevertheless, knowing how to use a compass is crucial when you're planning a hike. A hiking GPS could run out of batteries. If you happen to drop it, it's pretty easy to break and a poor signal can render it useless. Without a backup plan, it's easy to get lost in the woods and it's hard to get out. I had to laugh as I read those words because I don't know about you, but as I find myself trying to navigate these days we are living in, it definitely feels like my GPS system is out of batteries. Or maybe we are just so far deep in the woods, it can't get a signal. Or maybe a big old grizzly bear ransacked my supply kit outside my tent a few months back and smashed that GPS system to smithereens with its big old paw. Do you feel me here? We are off the grid. Autopilot is not working anymore. There's this huge section in that how-to article about using a compass with a map. Let me tell y'all, I skipped that section because while we are living in times where so much is uncertain, one thing is absolutely crystal clear. We do not have a map for this. Jonathan K. Dodson published the book that gave us the idea for this sermon series on March 17th, 2020. He talks about how we are living in an age of moral crisis 
and that the Beatitudes can be a guide to us as we seek to navigate the crises we face. In his introduction, he says this, a new crisis appears in our newsfeed just about every day. Hashtag me too. The Charleston shooting, California fires, a school shooting, a nuclear threat. Crisis ad nauseum. At times these crises grab us by the collar. Riveted, we track their development, weigh in on the debate, maybe fire off a social media post. If we feel strongly about the crisis, we may sign a petition attend a lecture, or even join a march. Then another crisis hits. Little did he know when his book came out that 2020 would be the year of the crisis. That added to his list above, we would add a global pandemic and the multitude of crises that pandemic has spawned. That we would also have names like Ahmed Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd etched into our consciousnesses. That there would be other hashtags representing movements in addition to Me Too, hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag Back the Blue. Then there are the things that happened just this past week. The bombing in Beirut, Hurricane Isaias, a local primary election held on the backdrop of a Congress that remains deadlocked on the terms of yet another relief package. As he's talking about these crises, Hudson, Dodson goes on to say, headlines change overnight. With our empathy divided, we try to stay informed by scanning feeds, watching clips, reading articles. But tension mounts as we juggle work, relationships, responsibilities, and the latest headlines. Overwhelmed, we lash out, retreat, or slowly grow numb. With exposure to an unprecedented flow of news, global in, in, global in scope, around the clock in length, and often tragic in nature, the sheer volume of crises can overwhelm us. Can I get an amen to that last sentence of his? The sheer volume of crises can overwhelm us. We all feel overwhelmed. We are deep in the woods. Our GPS is dead. There is absolutely no map. Left to our own devices, this doesn't end well. Back to my Gore-Tex article. It's easy to get lost in the woods and it's hard to get out. Part of this is physical. You have a dominant leg in the same way you have a dominant hand. In fact, they're on the same side. This becomes problematic when you're lost in the woods. Your dominant leg generally has a longer stride than the other, which often leads to walking in circles. Disorientation is also a problem. When you've been off trail for a while, you're bound to get scared and stop thinking logically. It becomes much harder to distinguish between new landmarks and ones you've already seen. The longer you're lost, the more confused you get, and the more likely you are to make poor decisions that can lead to disaster. But by learning to use a compass, you guard against these dangers. You have reliable, effective tools at hand to make sure you can always find your way. Walking in circles, feeling lost, 
disorientation, fear, illogical thinking, confusion, poor decisions, disaster. There's definitely some overlap between a hiker lost in the woods and how I feel in the midst of this forest of a year we all are navigating right now. So a compass, a reliable, effective tool that will make sure we always find our way, a compass sounds pretty good to me right now. The Beatitudes begin Jesus's most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, that is found in the Gospel of Matthew. It is the teaching of Jesus that was recorded the earliest and the most, so it includes the oldest and most shared words from his time on earth. The Sermon on the Mount, like the one who gave it, is not for the faint of heart. There are incredibly challenging teachings that Jesus offers up in these chapters and verses of scripture. I took an entire class on them in seminary, and on our first day together, our professor confessed that the Sermon on the Mount included the teachings of Jesus that kept him up at night, that made him wonder if he really could call himself a Christian, if he had what it takes to truly follow after this one we call Lord. I love how Eugene Peterson describes the disciples in his translation of the introduction to the sermon given from the Mount. They were his apprentices, the committed, who climbed with him. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to join them as Jesus's climbing companions. Mountain climbing is not easy, y'all. Again, not something I've tried before on an actual real-life mountain, but my experience climbing the rock wall out at Heartland Camp makes me feel like this is a fair statement to make. Mountain climbing isn't easy, y'all. Yet, it feels like a better, more purposeful move than just walking in circles lost deep in the woods. So let's get our compasses out as we start trying to find our way forward together. My Gore-Tex article has some pretty simple steps to follow when using a compass. Number one, first, figure out where you want to go. Let's say it's a mountain. Face that. This instruction works for us. Jesus is where we want to go. Right now, he just happens to be sitting on a mountain. So yes, we're going to stop our spinning in circles and turn to face him. Hold your compass flat in your palm and hold your palm in front of your chest. That's number two. These eight weeks are all about this action, taking out our compass, the Beatitudes, the central teachings of Jesus, and holding them close so they can guide us. And three, next, find out which way you're facing. Look down at the compass needle to see which way the red point is facing. That's magnetic north. We use the compass to get our bearings, to determine which way we are facing. And once we figure it out, which direction we are actually facing as we've turned and put our eyes on Jesus up on that mountain, right? The instruction is to keep walking in the direction of your bearing once we have them. And every so often, repeat all of these steps to make sure you're headed in the right direction as we are all trying to get our bearings, 
as we spend the next eight weeks attempting to walk in the right direction towards Jesus. What's important to note is that we aren't all beginning that journey from the same place. When it comes to our morality, our moral understanding of the difficult issues we are dealing with in our world today, we are starting in different locations. Jonathan Dodson, the author of the book that inspired this season, he and I are in some pretty different places on a number of these issues. But he is faithfully seeking to orient himself and move towards Jesus, and I am doing the same. The same may be true for you and I. We may be starting in different places, yet here is the thing. We are all wanting to go to the same place. We are all wanting to move in the same direction towards Jesus Christ and the kingdom he came to usher into this world, the community beloved he came to cultivate in our midst. I do not believe we have been called together as climbing companions by accident and find myself really grateful we are on the journey together. So here we go. Compasses out. Hear the beatitude from the NRSV once more. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit in the age of what Dodson calls the big me? We live in a time when there is plenty of focus on the self on our individual rights and pursuits. We live in a culture that honors the self-made man or woman, that prides itself on being a country where you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. We live in the generation when selfie became a word in our vocabulary and the advent of social media invites us to put ourselves on full display, to cultivate an online self to put out into the world. In the midst of all of our pursuits, we have become less connected to our neighbors, and so we're just less in tune with their plights. It's easy to focus on me and mine when that is your primary frame of reference most of the time. It's also really easy to trust your own ability, your own power, as long as it isn't called into question, as long as everything is ticking along just fine in your world. It's also really easy to judge our neighbors from a distance if their world happens to be falling apart or was a mess to begin with, if we believe we are the reason we have everything together, that we are self-made, then it's easy to assume the opposite must be true for them. Their plight must be their fault. They must be the reason their life is a mess. I really love Peterson's translation of this beatitude because I think it reveals to us more clearly what Jesus is teaching us through it. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Some interpreters of this beatitude focus in on the poor of the poor in spirit which has led to a school of theological thought that says that Jesus offers preferential treatment for the poor. What rings true in this interpretation, in both scripture and my own lived experience, is that for the poor, 
they do not have the resources at their disposal to be self-reliant, which leads them to recognize and to live their dependence. When we are at the end of our own proverbial ropes, when we have no more self-made rope to cling to, we are more likely to reach out to the one we are all dependent upon. With less of us, there is more of God and his rule in our lives. One of the gifts of these days we are living right now is the opportunity to recognize and to live our dependence. I don't know about you, but there has been more than one day in all of this when I have found myself hanging at the end of my proverbial rope. There is opportunity here to let go of those ropes and grab hold of our God, to recognize our true dependence, to recognize our own poverty of spirit and relinquish ourselves to God's powerful one. When we humbly come before our God and receive God's incredible generosity of spirit in response, it shapes us and the way we not only view ourselves, but also those around us. We learn to not turn to one another in judgment, but instead to approach our neighbor humbly as well and to extend that same generosity to them that God gives so freely to us. So as you are moving through this week, keep your compass close at hand. Remember where you are headed, towards Christ and the beloved community he came to cultivate. And as you navigate these days, just keep reorienting yourselves, getting your bearings. Embrace the poverty of spirit you just might be feeling right now. And give thanks that it is not all about or dependent on you. Feel the blessing that comes when we let go of our own ropes and instead hold on to our God. Amen. So as we come to this time of offering uh, today, as we listen for what invitation we are hearing um, from God today, um, I hear the chorus of that song we just sang, right? I will set my feet upon the road. I will follow wherever you lead. Um, and as we are living our lives this week, um, as we are seeking to have those feet upon the road, as we are seeking to follow after our Lord Jesus Christ, um, my invitation to you is to stop every once in a while and pull out that compass, right? And get your bearings. And remember in this week when we hear those words, blessed are the poor in spirit, remember that you are not at the center of your life. You are not the one that's meant to be guiding and determining which way to go. Um, if we did that, if we were left to our own devices, y'all, too often we just end up walking in circles, right? Um, instead, set your feet upon the road and follow wherever God goes, right? Let God be your focus. Let Jesus be your guide. Um, so that you and I, we might live our lives not spinning in circles, but instead for God's purposes and, and for this world. So as you come to this time of offering, this time of reflection, um, 
I invite you to reflect um, upon the ways uh, you can live for your God.